Welcome to the Impact Nations podcast. Today, our friends Murray and Trish from Samuel's Mantle invited us to return to their weekly Facebook live show. We started our chat by giving the latest news about sending slaves to school in India, but soon got telling stories about all that God is doing around the world. I hope you enjoy. So, um, why don't we go back and talk about India a little bit first? And because uh, um, there was a lot of buzz around that, and uh, you know what happened. Yeah, like where did that go, and and maybe give us a little bit of background first to start, and and where it's at now. Sure. So, um, for those who hadn't heard, it it really began when we were in India together in March, February, February, February. Uh, and we our very first day of our uh, journey of compassion clinic days uh, was spent doing a medical clinic in uh, in a slum that was based right on the grounds of a brick factory. Uh, mm-hmm. and we were, we were ministering to people who were working as indentured servants in this brick factory. Uh, and the poverty that we saw there was quite extraordinary. Uh, and that day our, our dear friend and partner Randeep approached us and said, I have a vision, uh, to free these children from the bondage that they have here and get them into school. He wow. said the the school system here is government run. Uh, and if we can just get them the startup, you know, get some uniforms, uh, help them through the registration process, uh, you know, some basic school supplies. Once they're in the school system, the government will take care of them from there. But because their parents just have never experienced anything like public education, uh, they don't have the wherewithal to do that. And they certainly don't have the finances to get them started. Hmm. Uh, once these kids are registered in the school, the government takes over in terms of sponsorship that, uh, the, they find corporate sponsors, things like that, uh, to make sure that the children will stay in school for the rest of their, their education. Wow. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know. There was a moment of just kind of incredible faith stirred up in me. Uh, at the end of our journey, we were with, with the team. We had a team of about 33 people from all over the world there together. And at wow. the end of that, I stood up and said, look, uh, we've seen many opportunities where we could make a difference in this nation. The, the poverty is uh, significant. But I said the one that has touched our hearts and I think all of our hearts is these children at the brick factory. Uh, and Randeep has worked out pricing where for $130, we can get the children, the registration fee, the, the textbooks, the school supplies, the uniform. Wow. Uh, and I'd like to challenge you. I said to the, to the 30 people sitting in front of me, I said, you know, if, if each of us, uh, was able to go and sponsor a few people, find, find friends and family that could sponsor a few kids, I believe we could get 300 kids, uh, out of slavery and into school. Wow. Uh, and it, one of those moments where you're saying it out loud and you're thinking, you are a nut. You are crazy. What are you saying? And Because, you know, that's... I a, just want to confirm that. It's one of the 32 people sitting out there and I said, what are you saying? <laughs> so just one of those moments where the Holy Spirit just kind of just, you know, fires you up. And so I said it and got got home uh, within a couple days of that and got to work uh, putting together the website and the campaign, you know, just got to email people and put together videos and stories to tell people and money started rolling in and it kept coming and coming. And I don't know where we were at when we talked to you guys last time on this show, but I can tell you that as of this morning, uh, more came in last night. I think we're at 710 children have wow. been, uh, been supplied an well, education. Yeah. So uh, it has been so exciting. So the school year has technically begun there. Um, this is fascinating, too, because I, I got started getting pictures back. I mean, the pictures are amazing. So please uh, hit up our Facebook page. Uh, mm. Yesterday's post has like a 22 photos just of, of all the amazing things that are going on there. But the photos that I was getting back, some of them were of children in classrooms. And I honestly was expecting to see like a hundred kids stuck in a classroom because how do you just add hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of I was gonna kids ask about to that. a school? And I, instead I got back pictures of, you know, 30 kids in a classroom. So I said to Minakshi, who's, uh, she's our partner. She, she does kind of the, uh, administration of things there. Um, I said, why aren't there more kids in these class? Like, and she says, well, the government built these schools a long time ago, but they're 
in areas where most of the children are stuck in indentured servitude and they can't go to school. And so the, the, the government built these schools and then nobody came because oh, wow. nobody would let them go. And oh so there's goodness. just been empty schools sitting there. So when wow. the teachers found out that finally they were going to get to teach and teach a full classroom, they were so excited, so excited. Oh my goodness, that's amazing. Uh, and yeah, and so now, of course, that means like government resources are going to be able to come because it goes based on per student. So now there's way more students registered, so the school's going to get more resources. Uh, it it has been absolutely amazing, and to see these kids, I mean, they just. Never in their wildest dreams did they think they'd ever get to go to school. We're talking oh, about goodness. families who, we showed you guys a video last time, uh, three generations of brick workers, right? We had a, a, a grandfather who'd been doing it for 40 years. His son had been doing it for 30 years. And another grandson was just beginning to do it too. Uh, and of course, if something didn't change, that would just be the future forever. Uh, and over and over again, generation after generation would be stuck doing this. And yet now these kids, uh, are able to go to school. And it's funny because the, because they've never been in a classroom, they don't really know how to sit still in a classroom. So, you know, there's there's that challenge, but the teachers are just so excited that they're very patient and, uh, and, you know, teaching the children discipline and things like that. Yeah. (laughs) It's pretty amazing. You know, we've been doing projects for a long time. off the top of my head, I'm not sure, maybe 14 years. And uh, this is this is one of two or three that has most deeply impacted me. It's, it's absolutely remarkable. If you get a chance, look at the Impact Nation's Facebook page because the, the pictures, I honestly, when I saw the pictures yesterday, there was a couple of them, I, I started to tear up. Oh. Imagine all you've known is is living in slavery, uh, and you know I, I we explained it last time, but just for those who weren't there, yeah, it's a it's a terrible system. You know, there's 28 million slaves worldwide right now. There's wow. more than the cumulative total uh, of the 400 years of the slave trade today. Wow. And and one of the common ways is is what goes on in brick factories all over India and Pakistan where a family gets into trouble, whatever it may be. Maybe there's a critically sick kid, whatever. Mm-hmm. There's a crop failure. There's something. And the the friendly neighborhood loan shark, seeming to be very helpful, says, well, I'll give you a loan and then just come and work at the brick factory and you can pay it off. Oh, Most boy. of these folks are not even illiterate. Okay, sure, because we're desperate. But when they get in, the interest on the loan is higher than their daily wage. So they can't leave. I've been in places, I've been in tea factories where there were guards with rifles. Oh, boy. Uh, Now, I didn't see guards and rifles here. But it's the same system. And and to see these brick factories, the, the generations have built their own prison in essence because the walls are huge and they go on forever and yeah. they're just. And I've been thinking a lot. There's there's some pictures among those yesterday. There's a couple of the kids walking down the road with their new backpacks and their their new uniforms. Yeah. Wow! And I'm thinking, all they've known is the brick factory, mm. and now they're out. And they're going to school. You know, the other thing is our medical team told us on the journey that 100% of the kids uh, that they saw were malnourished, wow. uh, which is beyond hungry, right? We had, I think we told you that they said that there were a lot of kids that were eating brick dust and dirt to try to fill their stomachs. Well, wow. now, oh. yeah. Uh, and now, uh, not only are they getting education, they get they get a full meal every day. Yeah. That's amazing. So, this is this is mind-boggling. I'm, I've been thinking a lot about it the last week, trying to imagine how I'd feel if I was, you know, a nine-year-old kid who not only had never didn't have a clue how to read or write, but didn't know what the world was like outside the brick factory. Yeah. And now I'm in new clothes, new shoes, and I'm I'm in a classroom. I mean, it, it's amazing to me. I'm sure it's going to be a long, challenging, but ultimately very exciting journey for the teachers and the and the kids. Wow. One of the uh, misconceptions that are out there, I've, I've had a few people email me back with this misconception. So it's, it's worth talking about. People have asked, you know, um, did the, 
did the slave owner, the, the factory owner, uh, get paid for doing this? Like, did you pay him off to let the kids go? Did you pay their yeah. debt or anything like that? Yeah, I'm wondering. Uh, which is a great question. Uh, yeah. The answer is no. Um, what's happened here is a work of the spirit. Uh, Randeep and his team have been working there for mm, probably coming on nine months now. Uh, and going in, doing feeding programs, doing medical clinics. We, of course, were there doing a feeding program in a medical clinic. We were also distributing water filters that day. Um, but as he's built relationship, the Holy Spirit has really softened the heart of this man who owns the factory. He actually owns three factories. They're all next to each other on that road. And uh, as, as Randeep approached him with this idea, with this concept of letting the children go to school instead of working all day as, as uh, brick workers, the Lord just prompted this man to say yes. Now I asked Randeep about that. He says, well, I think when he first said yes, he didn't really think it was possible at all anyway, and nobody would do anything about it. So he thought, well, that's pretty low risk to say yes. So yeah, that's fine. Sure. No problem. Uh, tika tika. Um, but uh, as, as this is happening, uh, our prayer is that the Lord will really actually bless his business. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because uh, I mean, this is how much of his workforce here, right? Well, that's just it. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I would love to see, and we really are, we're, we were just as a staff yesterday praying earnestly for this, that the Lord would pour out blessing on this business because this could be the beginning of something that moves across the nation and an entire part of the world, actually. I mean, this, this sort of thing is happening all over India, Pakistan, Nepal. Uh, and if, if the Lord blesses this business and suddenly profits go up, Maybe others will take notice and say, you know what, there's a better way of doing this. Um, so that's that's our prayer, and I would invite your listeners to join us in that in that prayer uh, that the Lord would just pour out uh, his his blessing on this business. By the way, there's another aspect. I was talking with uh, Anu Randeep's wife yesterday. Uh, she was in Australia, but one of the things that we've been partnering with them for a few years is an after school program. Uh, they call it tuition. It's really just enrichment. It's it's uh, the kids come and they get a, an hour or two of instruction and they get some food and 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 um, and it's been very very successful. We've we've been doing it with them in other slums. What the plan now is to start that program right in the at the edge of the brick factory. Wow. Um, that these kids come home from school. And once or twice a week, they get an hour or two uh, with with uh, a news whole team doing this after school tuition to to help the kids catch up. Yeah. And uh, by the way, they, it started in the other slum because the school wouldn't take ten year old kids who couldn't you know read or write a single letter. So they did the after school tuition program. They've been doing it now for several years and. All those kids got into school, and many of them are number one in their class now. My amazing! Uh, that's wow. how effective it is. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. There's also one other tie-in with uh, another part of their ministry that we have participated in. Uh, last year, we uh, helped them start a sewing school for women from the slum, uh, women who were... Um, most of them, we, we call them widows. Most of them, either their husband has died or has just left them with their children. Wow. Uh, and they're left with, with nothing. They work as uh, maids, they call it, but it's very, very horrible conditions. Anyway, we started a sewing school to train up these women from the slums in sewing and then teach them some basic uh, kind of skill, like just life skills. They don't know how to go for a job interview or things like that. So teaching them things like that. Um, we had our first class of 20 graduate uh, at the end of 2018. Well, I didn't realize this when we started this project with the Brick Kids, but I, I just assumed you buy uniforms from the school or whatever. But no, actually, the government just gives you the pattern and says, here's where to go buy the material. You go find somebody to make the uniforms. Oh, so we were able to bring back all of the graduates from last year's sewing school. Yes. And they have been working around the clock, sewing hundreds and hundreds of uniforms together oh, at the sewing center. Uh, so we're, 
we basically we were able to employ these women uh, for weeks at a time making uniforms for the children that will go oh to school. Goodness. So it's it's kind of the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's and they're talking about establishing a, a uniform mm-hmm. making business for all schools. Yeah, because now now they've got work that they can point to and say, look, we can do this. We we can manufacture at a high rate at a high level of quality. Uh, give us the contract to do your uniforms. So uh, that will provide sustainability so that in the future we won't need to keep reinvesting in the training materials and stuff for the school. So uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. For the sewing center. Yeah. Jeepers creepers. That's amazing. Wow. <laughs> So that's um, so. Maybe if you could give our viewers some practical information of how they can get involved. I know they can go to your site to donate. Is can they go on trips? Like, could you give us all a little bit of information about that? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. Uh, certainly, for those, who, I mean, so many have given, and we thank you. Uh, we've we're going to keep the donation button on that page for one more week uh, oh, for nice. the Brick Kids. Um, School technically has started, but again, these are classrooms that were sitting empty until this year anyway. Uh, and these are kids who are starting right from ground zero in terms of their education. So adding them in uh, a week or two late is not not a difficult thing to do. And in fact, it's just taking us that long to get, as you can imagine, just the administration behind getting hundreds and hundreds of children uniforms and textbooks and all those things. Because each kid gets more than one uniform. Yeah. Each kid gets a couple uniforms, a couple pairs of shoes. uh, And uh, so, yeah, so they, um, it's taking time. So we're going to leave that donation uh, available for people because I know there's a few, actually there's, there are some who are doing their own fundraisers. There's a, a little guy up in Canada who's been doing like bake sales and lemonade stands and stuff. Uh, we've, uh, there were Easter egg hunts happening last weekend over Easter. Uh, all he's as six fundraisers. years old. Yeah. He's six years old. That kid. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so we want to make sure there's time for those donors to, uh, be able to give the proceeds from those efforts and stuff. So that'll be available for one more week. As I said, your prayers for these children, uh, you can imagine just the, the life change this is uh, comes with lots of challenges in and of itself, of course. So we want to just be praying for these kids that they will adjust to their new way of life, that their parents will be gracious uh, and supportive of what's going on. Uh, And then of course, as I mentioned, be praying for this uh, owner of the brick factory, that the Lord will continue to soften his heart, that that more opportunities will open us up for us to do ministry there uh, and really just bring about complete community transformation, which is what we're all about at Impact Nations. Uh, So be praying in those areas in terms of coming with us. uh, I personally can't wait. I'll be going back to India again next um, I think it's March. I can't remember. We've, um, but we will be going uh, to do exactly what we've been talking about. We'll be doing medical clinics and feeding programs, distributing water filters, uh, preaching the gospel in villages that perhaps have never even heard the gospel before. Uh, and, of course, everywhere we go, we'll be leaving house churches in our wake as uh, our local uh, pastoral network will be picking up uh, all of those contacts uh, from those who've been healed and saved and, and then begin discipling them uh, in ways that the church will just continue to rapidly expand in northern India. Um, so if you want to go, I'm, I can't wait to go back to the brick factory and see exactly what, you know, a year later, what it looks like to have all these children uh, being in school and uh, the parents benefiting from that, children getting a, a nutritious meal every day, just seeing wow. the turnaround in that is, I'm really excited. Uh, so India next uh, spring is certainly an option, but Impact Nations actually runs what we call Journey passion uh which i've been talking about uh we do those throughout the year we we do usually between eight and ten every year uh so we've got uh if you want to jump on something this summer we've got a journey to guatemala is what we're uh, talking about right now uh where we are doing two things one we're going into uh districts in guatemala city that are just uh, riddled with gang activity and stuff. Children really are, uh, it's its own kind of slavery almost. They, they're born into the gang life effectively. Uh, and that's a generational thing that uh, 
people, because of the stigma of that, uh, ministries won't go there. But it's actually incredibly safe to go. Uh, really? And the children's face lights up like you wouldn't believe because nobody will come. And when we go and, and we've got a whole team uh, that brings uh, a puppet stage and like, I don't know, like a couple dozen puppets. It's amazing. And they do this whole show and, and we just spend time with the children and we do feeding programs and just, again, expressing the love of Jesus where others are. You, there's no need to be afraid. No. Go. It will absolutely change your life and it will change their life too. Um, so that's a portion of the trip. And the other portion of the trip is out in the mountains. This. Uh, just head to impactnations.com uh, and you can look at our, our Journeys of Compassion menu there and you'll see all the all the upcoming okay. journeys. Uh, and yeah. we do and we'll, have your website displayed right now on the broadcast. Perfect. Awesome. And Guatemala is early July? Guatemala is July 1st to 12th or 13th, something like that. July 1st, oh, no, early July. July 1st to the 10th. Okay. I, I got to get my dates right. That's a slightly shorter one. Uh <laughs> And the great thing about Guatemala is there's really no jet lag, no uh, because there's no major time zone shift for North Americans. So we can we can just get right to it. The, uh, uh, and nice. the work is amazing. Uh, we'll be doing uh, workout in the mountains as well. Uh, in where is the mountains in Guatemala? Is that like the Quiche Triangle or whatever it was it used to be called? I did YWAM. I, that's where we went way back in the 80s was Guatemala City and way up there. The you go. Yeah, YWAM is actually one of our partners in the city. We work with YWAM. Uh, in Guatemala City, so oh, wow. uh, yeah, and then we're going to a place called Takpan, mm-hmm. which is I'm not sure an hour and a half two hours away, and that's up in the mountains. Interesting. Okay, it's beautiful. Yeah, so come join us on that. Uh, we got Bulgaria. We're oh, wow. the house church movement is just bursting at the seams right now uh, in Roma villages, uh, and then Kenya after that, and then. Let me say something about Bulgaria. Yeah. Uh, so, we had him on and we talked a lot about his trip. And then you guys mentioned it last time too. So that would be a great update as well. Yes. Yeah. It, and it, it is, to see where you guys are all working in the world. Like there's lots going on. So there is lots going on. And we're working in other countries on projects where we're not even doing journeys like East Samar in the Philippines. We're on a, the beginning of a program that ultimately is going to get uh, safe water, clean drinking water to every school kid in East Samar, which is thousands and thousands and thousands of kids. So there's lots going on. Ethiopia, there's, there's stuff. But in terms of the journeys, uh, Bulgaria, I love what God's doing there. We're, the Roma are a despised, isolated people. It's, it's awful. Uh, they're gypsies. It's just we didn't know that's not a, a word they like. That's an impolite word. So mm-hmm. the Roma... Um, they live with without often without electricity. There's no running water, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But there is every single week people are coming to Christ. They're doing another baptism this weekend. I brought over an inflatable pool, like a larger, like a large version of a backyard pool, and uh, and they go out into the village because there's no running water, and they with with their kitchen pots and pans and buckets and find water, and it takes about two hours to fill it up. And then they baptize. Uh, but it's fantastic what's going on there. And uh, it's a trip that I would really encourage people um, to come along. Um, both Christina and I will be will be leading that trip. And then the one after that is Kenya, where Mike, uh, our partner Mike Brown is working so closely with Tim. And uh, we have seen directly hundreds and hundreds of people freed from prison, especially women. We have seen thousands of women rescued from prostitution who now are living in safe environments, loving the Lord, starting their own businesses. Um, And so, so there's two trips there, a women's trip and then a, a general trip in October. And uh, we've got others, but those are the ones I really want to emphasize uh, for people who would like to get in the front lines and watch people come to Christ and get healed every single day and watch what happens as as a house church movement begins to form. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's almost overwhelming. Are you guys ever over ever wake up in the morning and going, what do I do for a living again? Like. (laughs) Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, usually at about 2 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. 
<laughs> yeah, that's very real. I, yeah. uh, that happens to me all the time. I, I you know, Christine is going down to Colombia in a few weeks to set up the uh, Colombia trip, but God's opening up doors we didn't even know were there to open with yeah. with governors and government people that are contacting us and saying, "Will you come talk to us about what you're doing and what could be done here?" It's you know, Jesus said that that you know. It, this life of the spirit, it's like the wind blows. We don't know where it's coming from or where it's going. And right now our sales up and it just seems like it's happening pretty fast. Yeah. Wow. Like what kind of things are you guys like? I know with what Tim was mentioning, it would be good to hear you, Tim, talk about that. Like the, the government in, in Kenya is talking to you and Steve, you guys just mentioned Columbia. Like, it's hard, you know, as a as a Canadian, for example, to think the government would ever want to do anything with the church, you know, like that ever come out, right? So, so, so to imagine a governor or a politician going, "Hey, come and work with," it, it's almost beyond thought, you know, beyond reason. C- can you explain, like, how do those things happen and where do they go? Like, and, um, <laughs> do they mind you talking about Jesus? Like, hey, we'll take your water, but don't say nothing. Like, like, how does that? How does that work in those situations? Uh, those are all great questions. I wish I had answers uh, other than to say it's the Lord. I, I don't know. Um, our partner, a good friend of mine, Mike Brown in Kenya, is a, a very influential pastor. He pastors, uh, I think it's 91 different churches are in his network. Uh, and he just has incredible favor. Uh, he's working with 98 different schools. He's got a a network of young pastors who go and pastor in the school. Uh, and so they go each day of the week, they go to a different school and they do a whole song and dance program. They do a feeding program for the children. Yeah. Feeding uh, program, 76,000 people, yeah. five days a week are yeah. being fed. It's extraordinary. Yeah. Uh, and, and then his pastors actually have a ledger book of all the kids in their, in the program that, uh, they can do follow-up visits at their home. So they actually, they try to, I think it's, I think it's once a month they're visiting in the home of each of these kids to meet with their parents and things like that, pray with them, all those things. Um, so when, when the government sees the work that Mike is doing, and I've just barely scratched the surface, the work he's doing, uh, getting people off of the streets, out of prostitution and into their own small businesses and employment, things like that, uh, it boggles the mind. But when the government sees the good work that's being done, they are eager to come alongside. Uh, so here's an example. Uh, in, uh, in 2018, we did a project where at the prison, they had a broken water pump. They, so they weren't getting water to the uh, prison properly. So then they had to be buying it by the truckload, which was costing a lot of money, which was then reducing the care for, for people. And by the way, uh, like, in one case, uh, the women's prison, like there's children living in that prison too. Some of these children are born in that prison. Um, and so we're caring for, for women, for children, everything through these. Anyway, we partnered uh, with Mike. We got in a new pump so they could get proper water. And then we put in water filters with big tanks and things like that. And then we dug a trench and laid pipe. And by we, I mean, definitely not me. Um, <laughs> but we, I have pictures of people doing it. Uh, about a kilometer and a half, two kilometers worth of uh, pipe was laid from that pump over to a, a nearby garbage dump where there's uh, hundreds of people living there who did not have access to clean water. Um, so we got clean water from the prison over to the, uh, to the garbage dump. Well, when the speaker of the state legislature found out about this project, he said, I, I want to get involved too. And he uh, purchased a 20,000 liter tank to store that water in so that they would always have water available to them at the garbage dump. Wow. Uh, when the governor found out about 78 women that were rescued during last year's journey of compassion with impagnations, uh, the governor said, I want to help too. So we, we had uh, provided three months worth of um, room and board and training and rehabilitation for these women who'd been rescued from forced prostitution. Uh, the governor then said, I want to supply uh, bedding for all these women. So when they come out and I think it was uh, like kitchen utensils, things like that. So when they come out of their three month program, they will have something uh, to start their life with. Uh, and that's from the governor. Um, 
So the favor that we find as a result of just walking in the, in the rhythm of the kingdom uh, is extraordinary. Uh, when we see uh, the incredible fruit that comes from our clinics, you know, we, we do medical clinics on just about every journey and just about every journey. We see a life absolutely rescued, like saved somebody who's on the brink of death uh, in Bulgaria last year, somebody showed up with severe pain in their abdomen. Uh, we rushed them to the hospital. It was appendicitis. They would have died within hours. Um, oh, wow. and it, because they showed up at our clinic, it's just, you know, the Lord opens these doors in, uh, in Kenya, uh, we were just provided a license by the government uh, whereby uh, and like insurance almost so that if somebody shows up at our clinic during the uh, journey of compassion and they do need to be rushed to the hospital, the hospital bill, you normally, you know, impact for somebody on the team would cover that. But now the government is actually just saying that's insured. It's paid for. You don't need to worry about it. Oh my uh, and we're covered in two different regions for that right now. Uh, oh, so, wow. oh, and the government uh, partners with us by providing like nurses and doctors uh, in Kenya. They provide um, uh, cancer screening, uh, certain types of cancer screening. Like they have like a mobile unit they bring there wow. uh, and, and uh, mobile HIV screening. It's incredible. Things that, I mean, are totally outside of our capacity. But again, as we just step out faithfully into what the Lord gives us to do, the Lord multiplies it in weird and wonderful ways. <laughs> I think one of the things that <clears throat> happens is the Lord challenges us, certainly challenges me on journeys often, where he opens up a door for me to take the team, and it's, it's, it's areas that we've never been. So I'm always wrestling with my interior uncertainty, you know, mm. on the outside, hey, team, this is great. And on the inside, wow, we've never done this before. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, we went into the worst slum in the Kuru, which happens to be a Muslim slum, open sewers, everything. And, and we did a clinic. No one had ever come in there and done something. And, uh, and we did it. <clears throat> it's by far the highest crime area in, in a city that had lots of crime back then. It's really changing now. But out of that, um, besides the fact that I remember there was about 45 uh, Muslims came to Christ that day, but it, it gave us favor with the government. They thought these guys aren't just playing around. But it also, I think, gave us favor in the invisible realm. Yeah. Hmm. And right now there's 4,000 kids. It started right there with that clinic. Now there's 4,000 kids every Saturday have a whole afternoon of, of Saturday school, of activities, of, uh, you know, there's thousands coming to Christ. Um, Mike is, is doing funerals for their Muslim grandparents because they say, we want, we want, we want the Christians to do the funeral. This wow. kind of thing. Wow. And it, it, it gives us this favor with the government. Um, have we got time to, for me to tell a story? Yeah, please yes, do. Yes, please. Okay. Because uh, it just came to mind and it wouldn't go away. So uh, I remember uh, two, three years ago, I took a group of American CEOs uh, in to see what's going on in Kenya. And we had all kinds of adventures. But we went into that area that I just mentioned uh, one night. And we had guards with us, like three security guards. And we went into this smoky, dark, dark, dark room. At first, I thought it was all black until my eyes adjusted. And yeah. I realized it was filled with maybe uh, 80 to 100 uh, boys and very young men. I'd say mainly uh, 11 to 17-year-olds. And my eyes were stinging, and uh, but I, I couldn't see well enough yet. And and I had these guys, and they're they're these CEOs. Their their eyes were like saucers, right? Like oh my mm. word! And and as we adjusted, um, I realized that they were all sniffing glue. Oh which, my! Goodness. By the way, you have a life expectancy of only about to, to live to be twenty to twenty three if you're a glue sniffer. But they're all sniffing glue. And uh, we shared, we talked, we prayed with them. And, uh, and then, and, and the presence of the Lord in this drug den was incredible. And uh, some of them 
came to Christ right there. And, uh, and in fact, I can tell you later, but many of them, their lives just changed. But at that moment, they came to Christ. We had this presence of God time. And then Mike Brown, our partner, he starts to talk to them. And he says, you can all feel the presence of God here. And of course, as long as you had a pulse, you would have felt it. And uh, he said, we're in church right now, guys. And I'm thinking, that's an interesting analogy. And he says, and whenever you gather in church, you bring an offering. And I'm thinking, Mike, where are you going? (laughs) Yeah. And he said, I want you to offer Jesus your drugs right now. And he pulled out a green garbage bag. He obviously was ready for this. And one after another, after another, brought their glue bottles, their hash, their whatever drugs they had, and and gave that offering to Jesus. It was amazing. Wow. So then we went out, and we were sitting in the bus, because then he fed them. He always, he always does that. And I'm with the CEOs, and you could have heard a pin drop. And there's a guy sitting on the bus, happened to be right next to me, that I didn't know, looked about 45, 50. And uh, Mike, 10 minutes later, comes in the bus and he says, uh, he introduced the guy, I've forgotten his name now. And he said, uh, this is a Muslim man. He is the one who has supplied all the drugs to all these kids. That's what he does. Goodness. And the man stands up and his shoulders just start to heave and he sobs and sobs and sobs for, it felt like forever. And when he could finally choke out some words, he just said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. I'm never going to do this again. It was powerful. Wow. The next morning we found out he showed up at Mike's church at eight o'clock in the morning with all his drug paraphernalia and his guns and he put them in front of the cross, got oh, down on his face, and he stayed there all day. And he stayed there all day. Wow. And uh, and I've since been back several times, and that guy is walking with the Lord. So I just wanted to tell that story that when we, you know, I often talk about how the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. Yeah. When we're willing to follow Jesus, not our own ideas, but when we're willing to follow Jesus and run into the darkness, it releases something very supernatural. So thanks for bearing with me for kind of a long story. That's an incredible. That's, I don't think anyone's going to forget that. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Made yeah. me cry. Yeah. <laughs> so what, when so, the doctors and nurses, like I, I might've asked this before, but because, because by the sound of it, the government sends these medical teams, um, and so they must be witnessing all the physical healing and things too. Like what, what, what's there? What happens with those guys? Do they kind of hide in the back or do they, they're like, they, that's a great question. I'm curious. Yeah, that's a great question. It varies. They're, they're really in they're They're actually, most of them are quite engaged because there's just an atmosphere and there's this wonderful stuff going on. Um, I remember in India, we had a, a Hindu doctor who was supposed to come for one day. And after the first day, he just kept coming the whole time. And we finished the last clinic. We had our final day of wrap up stuff. And early in the morning, eight, nine in the morning, there's a bang on the gate gates open. And there he is with his two daughters. And he said, I was only supposed to come for a day. I've come the whole time. Uh, he says, I, I see how you loved our people, but I saw how you love one another. Hmm. Whatever you have in your life, I need in mine. And wow. we led him and his daughters to the Lord. So that was a that was a great doctor story. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, they get very engaged, and and a high percentage of them make sure they come back again the next year. They just they volunteer year after year to uh, to be That's with us. So it's great. Now, is there any, uh, we have about 15 minutes to go. Is there anything you want to, you want to get out and say to people like, you know, like, you know, what's on, I mean, I can ask you more questions, of course, or and so can Trish, but is there anything you're just <laughs> dying? Like, Hey, this is what you need to know. Or, um, 
come and see because it'll change your life. One of the one of the reasons we do journeys of compassion is uh, let me rephrase that. We do journeys of compassion for three reasons. One is to you know have an impact in the community in the twelve days that we're there. Obviously, uh, I've mentioned stories where uh, lives were literally. Uh, saved, uh, medically speaking. Uh, we've mentioned many stories here about, uh, and, you know, entire groups of people being radically transformed in an evening. Um, and of course, just getting medicine to those who need it and things like that. Uh, so that's, that's one reason we do it, obviously. But a second reason we do it is because those who come with us on journeys of compassion will never be the same either. Mm. Uh, they they come and their eyes are radically opened to the activity of the kingdom. And suddenly they get to participate with their heavenly father in transforming lives. Uh, they get to participate in healing the sick, in bringing hope to the lost and broken. And once you get a taste of that, you can't go back. And so, you know, we... We love hearing stories of when people go back home after a journey and hearing about how they just continue to minister to the poor in their own communities and, and ask that question, can I pray for you? Uh, and then just, you know, watching and seeing what the Lord will do. Uh, one example, uh, tomorrow morning, uh, we've got a group from my church who will be going out uh, to just bring fruit to the poor in a, in a community here in a trailer park community here. Uh, and just ask that question, you know, the fruit is there really just as a very small way of saying, Hey, Jesus loves you. And he sent us here to tell you so. Um, but since we're here, can, can we pray for you? Uh, and they're going to see the Lord do amazing things in their midst. Well, that's happening because uh, my good friend, Bob, who, uh, who was with me in India, just can't get enough of it. He just, you know, he needs to go and be with the poor. He needs to keep asking that question. Can I pray for you? Uh, And so he leads a small group at our church and he just said to that whole small group, Hey, guess what guys, we're going to go. And so Saturday morning, they're off to do that. Um, We hear stories of people sitting on the plane and, and you know, they, they see when you, when you spend time about the father's business, suddenly your ear begins to be tuned to the brokenness around you. Mm. And now you're sitting on the plane and you begin to converse with the person next to you on the way home. And they're asking you, you know, what were you up to and why are you on the plane? And you're asking them the same, but people begin to hear the brokenness in other people's lives. And they turn and they say, you know, I've just, I've just seen the Lord do amazing things, healing the sick and rescuing the lost. And I would love to pray with you right here on the plane and, and just see what the Lord will do. And of course the Lord comes and heals people and, and uh, touches hearts and, and all those things. And that continues long after the journey. Uh, and that's another, that's a really big reason why we go. Mm-hmm. It's so that you who come with us will never be the same. And you will begin to operate in levels that you never anticipated in the kingdom of God. Wow. So I would encourage you come, uh, and there's no need to be afraid because we're all we're all yahoos who just have no idea what's going to happen next. <laughs> but as you put your faith in the Lord, He takes that and He turns it into absolutely incredible things. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I honestly I don't know what I was thinking when I stood up and said, "I bet we could get 300 kids into school," <laughs> and here we are, well over 700 now. Uh, I, I just the the Lord begins to change your heart and move your spirit in ways that you've been crying out for. And I know I, it's all of our hearts cry is Lord use me yeah, yeah. help me to see your kingdom. Uh, and I know it seems counterintuitive to say, Lord, I want to see your kingdom come to my community. So I'm going to go halfway around the world, but there's something that happens. It sparks something in you that you bring home with you. Uh, and you get a, a holy bravery and courage that you didn't have before a holy boldness. You did not have before. I guarantee you, it, it will happen. Uh, so come join us. Yeah. Uh, I would add one other thing. Um, you know, one of the things that I do are these impact weekends where mm-hmm. I'll, I'll teach, we'll gather people. Uh, usually a few churches will come together, you know, invite me to come to a city. I'm, I'm going to be in a few cities this month of May. And we'll teach this stuff. I'll get them healing the sick there, but then we go out on the streets and do just what Bob's going to do tomorrow. And you know what? 
some people really, really catch it. They all come back excited because they think, oh, this isn't going to work in our town or in my country. You don't know our culture. And I always say, you know, you're probably right. Why don't we just try anyway? And <laughs> always, I mean, I, I did it about three or four weeks ago in Bogota. And uh, the, I said, are there any testimonies that night? And I had to stop them. There was a lineup, maybe 15, 20 people. And I said, yeah, I got to do some teaching tonight. Um, I remember the first four people shared of leading nine people to Christ out on the street, and none of them had ever done it before. Wow. So that's something else. If, if people listening are interested to get in touch with us and find out about me coming yes, um, right. and do an impact weekend, I also, you know, I was, you, Murray, you know this, I was a pastor for more than 30 years. When I do these things and the church embraces it, the church grows because people yep. get activated. Yeah. And, and I, yeah, I like the numeric growth, that's fine. But what I really like is the growth in faith and anointing that happens. Mm-hmm. So um, they could look, Trish, on our uh, impactnations.com site, there's uh, under what we do, there's a pull down and, and it says invite Steve for a weekend. Yeah. And uh, that's another great way to yeah, get people engaged wonderful. right yeah. here in North America. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the last thing I'll say is, uh, the, you know, there's a third reason we do Journeys of Compassion. And that's because they do open up doors to long-term transformational projects. Uh, mm. And many times on our journeys, we've made connections with people who become long-term partners of ours. Uh, I think of Annabelle, who is running a ministry called the Remnant Generation in Kampala where she's rescuing women, young women, like teenage girls, uh, from abusive situations where they've been impregnated by relatives uh, and then been kicked out onto the street because they're pregnant uh, and have nothing. And she rescues them, uh, and we're working with her to uh, help pay these girls' hospital bills to to get them... uh, a safe birth and a safe place to live for a while. But then also after that, we've got something called a school of purpose where we're giving them skills such as hairdressing and sewing and making soaps, things like that, where they can go and they incorporated right into that woven right into the curriculum is our uh, small business curriculum. So they're learning how to market products uh, how to save their money, reinvest in their business. She had them all in uh, in a bank for the first time a couple of weeks ago to learn how to fill out a deposit slip and, and the importance of savings and stuff. And the bank manager welcomed all these teenage girls in and gave them a lesson on how to use a bank and stuff. It was amazing. Um, things like that that come out of, you know, we met her during a journey and things. It is uh, it is amazing, the long-term fruit. Uh, there's another one that I'm really excited about that I'd like to tell you guys about that um, yeah. just just about to put on our website. So watch for it in the next couple of days. Uh, it's a computer program, computer training school, uh, teaching web development and graphic design for children who are, and like youth. So, so like, uh, imagine like 17 to age 22 in the slums of Kampala, one of the biggest slums in Kampala. Getting these kids before they go into that gang life that Dad's just been describing in Kenya is the very same, of course, in in Kampala. Um, Getting reaching these kids before they ever get fall into that trap, giving them a hope and a future, and training them with a marketable skill, and then actually plugging them right into business so that uh, they are uh, getting clients from around the world to do graphic design for them. So. Oh my goodness, that's as awesome. an example, yeah, as an example, we use their services because we're just so encouraged by what they're doing. So we're um, we I uh, just about to release the 2018 annual report, which just summarizes all the amazing things that God did in our midst in 2018. It's a 20 page document uh and we just you know we wrote it and then sent it off to this firm in Kampala that's full of these these youth who uh otherwise would have faced a gang life and, and teenage pregnancy and drugs um and they've all been trained up so they designed our 2018 report for us uh okay. they are right now uh developing a brand new website for us so we believe in these kids uh and we are uh, about to open up a project that's actually already about 70% funded before I even launched it on the website, but uh, whereby we'll be expanding that program. They've been doing kind of one and two kids at a time. We're going to get it opened up to 15 kids at once. 
and the future that will be granted to them as a result is extraordinary. So uh, if you can't go on a journey, but you still want to be involved in community transformation, there are lots of options at impactnations.com. Uh, and I, I'm just telling you, the long-term transformational impact of these projects is extraordinary. And we always work on building in sustainability into these things so that wow. there's um, there's business being developed to help uh, pay for that in the long run. So uh, School of Purpose, uh, they're doing a, a mobile hairdressing thing. We, they teach them how to do hairdressing, but then they've got a business that's just beginning where they go to schools. The schools require the kids to have a nice, neat haircut. And so uh, like their kids are forced to every three months or so go get a haircut. How'd you like that, parents? That's a good deal. Uh, so uh, these guys saw an opportunity and have developed a mobile, sal- they call them a saloon there. Um, it doesn't have any swinging doors. Uh, it's a salon. It's a mobile salon. And they go and they, they cut kids' hair and, and do it right there at the school. And that business, uh, they're anticipating that after a couple of years, that business will have enough revenue to completely pay for the whole curriculum, like all of the costs of doing the school of purpose in its entirety so that we can move on and start the next thing. So <laughs> there's lots going on. You're probably getting the idea. Yeah. And we yeah. actually haven't told you everything, but we've just hit on some highlights. Yeah. So there you have it, everyone. There is the website impactnations.com, And there's lots of choices to get involved. With, if anybody has a question for me, they can just email me direct. I love getting emails. It's just Tim at impactnations.com. Uh, and I'll get back to you within a day or two. So yeah. So any questions? And uh, we were launching. We're launching a new book uh, in oh, June yeah. uh, oh. called uh, Re- um, "Recovering the Treasure," mm-hmm. and it's it's about um, making disciples like Jesus and the early church did. And uh, the highlight of the whole book is going to be the endorsement blurb that Murray's going to write uh, <laughs> in the first couple of pages. Yeah, I just have it sitting there. I haven't looked at it yet. So I was I knew that was coming, actually. I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> sounds like it's going to be a great book. Yeah. Thanks for having us on, guys. It's been great yeah. to be with you again. We love being with you guys. This is always thank fun. You. And us, too. Well, thank you for joining our show. It was awesome. Yeah. Wow. Lots to think about. Yes, lots to think about. So I hope all you guys out there that, you know, you're so hungry to hear God speak and all these things will will really consider, you you know, partnering with 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 people who love to see the kingdom come, you know, and and, and risk and are just, you know, average people who who are, you know, what's the old saying? I want to be I want to be a um, spiritual person, not a physical person. You know, there's a little pop into my brain. I want to be a spiritual being and not just a, having a spiritual life, not just a physical being, having temporary physical life. And sometimes to know that change, you got to step out into something the spirit is on and see that you can live there. And, you know, this is a real opportunity, you know, for you to do that. So hopefully you guys, uh, it'll stir something in you, right? And you can take it home back to your team and your church and your family. And, and, it, and it really starts to flow through the rest of your life. So, amen. Awesome. Well, thank you, guys. Okay. All right. Thank you. I'll give you some time to change your shirts. That'll be awesome for the next (laughs) day. Well, thanks for listening to this special episode of the Impact Nations podcast. Our thanks to Samuel's Mantle for sharing the audio with us. If you'd like to learn more about Samuel's Mantle, you can head to their website at samuelsmantle.com or check them out on Facebook where you'll find all sorts of great interviews and other resources. If you'd like to learn more about our campaign to get 1,000 children out of a life of slavery and brick factories and into school instead, please visit impactnations.com. Thanks and have a great week.